0: Daugherty, the six seven sophomore from East Meadow, New York.
1: Leadership is learned.
0: A starter on Coach Dean Smith's legendary 1982 Tar Heels National Championship team with Michael Jordan. Jordan comes down with a rebound. Clears the way to Darty. Darty going in against Floyd. Blow up it's good. Leadership is earned. Head coach at the University of North Carolina and the University of Notre Dame. You notice Matt Doherty. He is up working
1: every second of this ballgame.
0: Leadership is taught.
1: Public speaker, author, and executive coach.
0: And leadership does not require a title. This is The Rebound Podcast with Coach Matt Doherty. Welcome to The Rebound Podcast. I am Matt Doherty and I'll be your host. On this podcast, we focus on the topic of leadership and overcoming adversity in an open and raw kind of way. We discuss failures and how to rebound from them. I became passionate about leadership after being forced to resign from my coaching job at North Carolina in 2003. I went on a leadership journey and realized it may be the most undertaught topic in formal schooling, yet the most important. Today with me is Pat Croce. He's an entrepreneur, sports executive, an owner, author, TV personality, and black belt in taekwondo. He is also passionate about pirates. Many, many people remember him as the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers that had Allen Iverson and was coached by Larry Brown. Pat is now focused on helping others through the American Cancer Society and his passion project called Healed. I've had the honor to get to know Pat through our mutual friend, Brian Moran, and his weekly sangha that I've had the privilege to be a part of over the last few months. Pat, welcome to the Rebound Podcast.
1: Thank you, Matt. I'm psyched to be here.
0: Yeah, 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 thank you. Tell us about uh, your journey, um, you know, from an entrepreneur to owning owning the, the, the 76ers to selling them to, you know your, your journey uh, for happiness at 60 years old. Um, you've had an amazing life, and I'm sure there have been some setbacks. Um, what were the most significant ones in your life?
1: Well, I graduated from Pitt with a degree in physical therapy and a certification in athletic training. So I combined it the best of both worlds, you know, the athletic trainer and the physical therapist from a hospital setting, which was unheard of in the mid late Mm seventies. My dream was to be the physical therapist for the Philadelphia Eagles. I played football in college one year, but I wasn't big enough, strong enough, nor fast enough. And I thought, well, if I couldn't eventually play for the Eagles, well, maybe I could train them and Mm -hmm. treat them. I was a big Philadelphia Eagles fan, obviously. Yeah. I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I graduate. I graduate in 78, and I knock on the door, 77, and I knock on the door of the training camp. First day of training camp, I go down there in my white crisp jacket with a tie. I just came from a physical therapy department uh, at a hospital. I got
0: to ask you, interrupt. Do you have? Did you have the goatee?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no goatee. <laughs> no goatee back then. <laughs> <laughs> that came a couple decades. Yeah, later. after
0: you all, after you got to own things, you could you could you could, yeah. <laughs> you could you could dress
1: however you wanted. Right, right. I might have had a little longer hair, but who knows? Now I lost most of it. What's left is gray, and that's from Iverson. <laughs> but <laughs> so I knock on this door, Matt, and uh, again, this is my dream. I'm knocking on this door. I I went to college to be this physical therapist trainer to do this job. I'm standing about two door steps down from the door as I knock on it. The door opens, and this big trainer's there, famous trainer from Philadelphia, Texas draw. How can I help you, son? I said, well, I'd like to apply for your physical therapy job. He says, I'm sorry, we don't have any, and slams the door. <laughs> I stand there just looking at this door with the Eagles logo on it. Like, What? I knock again. There you go. There you he go. He opens it he opens it up and he sees it's me. I told you, and before he gets to close it, I push my left hand out as if I'm shoving someone right in the middle of the chest and I right into the door so it doesn't close. I said, Whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. And again, I'm looking up at him physically and metaphorically. Right. Of <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I want to apply for the physical therapist job do you have a physical therapist on staff he says no i said well that's the job i want to apply for you don't even have to pay me i'll volunteer how about now, that boom and slams the door well i start walking away and i look over the fence i see the players coming out get ready to practice and i get my car and i'm so disheartened so dejected but it was like In retrospect, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, because that rejection set me on a path that, okay, I'm going to learn more about this new concept called sports medicine. And so I took more courses as I was working at a hospital, therefore developed a sports medicine center within the hospital, which became the first in a hospital setting in the United States, and drew the attention of the Flyers. I became the Flyers Physical Conditioning Coach, Physical Therapist in 1981. Mike Schmidt and Gary Maddox for the Philadelphia Phillies came in about 83, 84, 83. The 76ers came in 85 with Dr. J and Charles Barkley. I helped to take him down from the round mound, the rebound down to a felt 250. No, no, you got up to uh, 250? But, wow. Yeah, he was down to 250. I know he might be 100 pounds more than that now, but at that time. Yeah. And again, to Charles's point, to give him credit, when he left, And he wasn't really a fan of mine (laughs) because this was, you know, working out off the court. He loves to play basketball. And so, but when he got traded and went to Phoenix and he had that MVP season and they lost to the finals to Jordan and the Bulls, he was that felt figure again. And he thanked me at that point, realizing how much the physical body helped with his mental prowess and saved him from the injuries that normally occur on the court or in professional or in any athletic mm-hmm. endeavor mm-hmm. so i gotta say that was the first strong rejection funny in the past well i don't know how many years 25 years i would go to events and dick Vermeil, the head coach of oh, yeah. the eagles at that time and who won a super bowl i think with the rams yes he uh he's up there and he He sees me, or maybe I have to talk after him. He goes, Pat Croce, he owes me. If my trainer didn't reject it, he would never be where he is today. You know, there's something.
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say there's truth to that.
0: There is truth to that. Um, But there's got to be something in your gut, in the gut of the person who got rejected, the intestinal fortitude, the grit that Angela Duckworth talks about, where does that come from in you, and and can that can that be developed when people deal with setbacks? How, how you know, on the sangha, and you know that you do. There's a lot of people on those the sanghas that deal with setbacks. And and just for the audience, the sangha is basically a weekly get together where you lead a group of over a hundred people on a Zoom call that discuss different topics and try to get some peace, gain peace through through these get-togethers.
1: Is that is that sum it up fairly well or not? Uh, totally, totally. A sangha is a spiritual gathering where we all understand we're of the same essence, the same being. The expressions are totally different. The coloring and costuming of the expressions are totally different. But the essence, the I that I am, the I am, that which is aware, is the same. And so to answer your question, I think I've always had the faith that if I do my very best, God will take care of the rest. And then as I went and turned at 60 and something happened, I went on this spiritual quest around the world. You realize that the present, the present moment is never not perfect. Mm -hmm. You may not want it. You may not like it. But the universe has given you exactly what you need for you to awaken and to become what you are supposed to become this pillar of peace and happiness and the expression of love and it's hard to understand until you really that's a zen a zen saying that never not perfect that the, and and those who are christian realize the lord's prayer thy will be done however you want to look at it right. That what is what is is what's happening before you think about it once you coat that what is with your thoughts, your preferences, your prejudices, your opinions, your judgments—all the feces hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's uh, powerful. Um, the 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 setback you had there—it seems minor now, but when you knocked on that that door, fast forward. What other setbacks that you, did you face in your career um, that, you know, led you to have to rebound?
1: So it's my third year as president and minority owner of the 76ers, 1999. And uh, we're just on the rebound. The team was awful when I took it over. The team had won only 18 games out of an 82-game schedule. Luckily, I win the lottery, the NBA lottery, and we pick Allen Iverson. First year is still awful. We only win 22 games. The, the Philadelphia fans want to tar and feather me. I dismissed the coach and the general manager who were both rookies as well, and it was all my mistake. A rookie president hires a rookie GM who hires a rookie coach, and the discipline and the lack of communication, and they let some of the players run over the team. And so uh, I – I had to make a move and that was really scary. Who was so who was the GM move on. and the coach at that time? The coach was Johnny Davis. Okay, yeah, Philadelphia 7 uh, uh Portland Trailblazers. Yes. Yep. Yes, he played for Portland and yes. assistant for Portland. Yeah, and who So, a great man, a great man. Yeah, yeah. But his experience was not to the level of what we needed at that time. Sure. And, so, and you talk about leadership. I mean, there was guys like Derek Coleman who were running all over. And then he's the lead role model for Allen Iverson. And that's <laughs> not good. That's not going to work. So uh, then it's two years later, three years later, 99, Larry Brown. I get to hire Larry Brown the second year. Lucky. I mean, it was a wonderful. I was going now after experience. You know, wins, wins. Someone who knows how to win. Someone who knows how to coach, really coach. And so it's 99 and we're on the uptick. Mm -hmm. We make it to the play. We make it to the playoffs for the first time in eight years, only in my third year season. And we get eliminated in the second round. Uh, Reggie Miller, (laughs) a dog Mm -hmm. in yellow puts our lights out and we get out, but the city of Philadelphia is on fire. They're so excited. And I'm walking on water now because now the team has been resurrected from the basement and uh, it's not the Eagles, but the fandom is coming back right well i'm on i decided to take a motorcycle trip with about six of my buddies cross country we get an hour into it and i get run over and i lose my foot what my boot my, oh yeah there was i was it starts to rain I'm the lead bike and i'm with some serious motorcycle buddies but we brought one rookie with us and it's raining i pull under an overpass to put on our rain gear and as i'm stepping off the harley big like, Guys are parking behind me. One guy, the rookie who was last in line, his his Harley, he wasn't used to it oh, or something. Geez. He lost control. He lost control and slid right past me. But unfortunately for me, the highway peg cut my leg off, cut my right at the right at the above the ankle. And so now oh. I'm sitting in the middle of the street in the rain again, not knowing what happened. And it's wet, I'm getting wet. I don't feel anything. And I look down and my boots off. And I pick it up and my foot's still inside Oh, my gosh. Attached to my leg only by my Achilles tendon and some strands of denim. And so now I'm thinking, oh, no. And now these big, tough, tattooed biker friends of mine are coming over and they're passing out and getting sick. And I'm thinking, (laughs) whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Luckily, a farmer from across the street comes running over. He must have seen it and has the downspout with him. And with this downspout, he puts my leg in and one of my buddies who happened to be a doctor. Wraps me up, would call ambulance, and so for the next, you know, year, or two years I'm rehabilitating. And uh but that was a setback for someone who's as physical as me, someone who just works out as a like a wild banshee, and that was why I was a pretty good physical conditioning coach, because I would do everything the players did off the ice, off mm-hmm. the court, mm-hmm. off the playing field. And but here I am now first on uh axilla crutches forearm crutches because they took some of my shoulder and transplanted it to make a a bandage over my leg and it all worked it all worked now i don't run now but i'm an avid walker i don't do any cutting i can't do any cutting side to side but i could dance if you needed to dance and i had to stop karate after that my martial arts but that's okay
0: oh wow how talk to me about i think the mindset is so critical and and you know how can can it be developed or is it there? So you know, you had the mindset to knock on the door again when the Philadelphia uh, Eagles closed it. You had the mindset to start um, the sports med business in the hospital. You had the mind the, the mindset like it's 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 okay. It, it's it's never not perfect. How how could you have that mindset when you're sitting on the side of the highway and your foot's
1: barely attached? Well, luckily, being a physical therapist and a trainer, I know that you can make changes on the body. And I was, for damn sure, going to make sure that I could walk, if not run again. And that was just, and I just tortured my orthopedic surgeons and the plastic surgeon who did the graphing. I tortured them by saying, take another x-ray. Let me know. Take another x-ray. And it wasn't for like a year till this thing healed. And I had a couple of surgeries. Afterward, they had to take, put screws in, take screws out. There's still the rod in there, but it doesn't bother me at all. But to answer your question, let me take, let's go fast forward because this may answer your question. It's, um, I just turned 60 in November of 2014. It's January of 2015. And I read this article by a man named Pico Iyer. He's a travel writer, but he's into the spiritual realm as well. But I didn't know that. He had written a book on stillness. Never even knew it. But I read this article, and this one line, that jumped out at me. If you want to change your life, you best – oh, no. All of our life occurs in our head. Memory, imagination, speculation, interpretation. So if you want to change your life, you best begin by changing your mind. Mm-hmm. And right there, mm-hmm. it was that satori. In Zen, it's that moment of no mind, mm-hmm. a spark of inspiration. The uh, Oprah's aha moment. Mm-hmm. And I went, whoa. Now, I know you can change a body. I would, I changed bodies. I know you can change a body. I know you can change your opinion. But can you change your mind? And so I went on and I saw that he had a TED talk on stillness. Now, me, hyperactive, why would that interest me? It is just grace beckoning me because I have no idea. And I watched it. And it was more about meditation and being still silent and still in the mind as opposed to being still in the body. And that led me to a TED talk on mindfulness. Didn't know what the word meant. This man, Andy Potokom, an ex-Buddhist monk, for 10 minutes juggled and talked about meditation, mindfulness, just placing your attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment. And I thought, Wow. And he started tickling my fancy, my interest. And he has, in retrospect, one of the greatest guided meditation apps called Headspace. You may have heard of it. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to one more TED talk. Because I now I was getting infatuated with interest. Like, whoa, what is this world that I know nothing about? Mm-hmm. And this was on happiness by a man named Matthieu Ricard, a Frenchman who's the interpreter for the Dalai Lama. And he was twenty-six <laughs> He was at the Pasteur Institute and it left everything. His father is the most famous French philosopher. As a matter of fact, Matthew wrote a book, The Monk and the Philosopher, which is a great book. If you're interested in Buddhist philosophy, it's a great book. And he wrote a book on happiness because the University University of Michigan decades before used this man's head to do all their studies on meditation and finding out that meditation can change the plasticity of your brain so to answer your question there can be changes so it's a couple years later matt and i'm dragging diane my wife through the mountains of bhutan to be with matthew ricard in a monastery in the sides of the smaller himalayas and you know hot water was lucky and it was just you know you're lucky to (laughs) find anything really good to eat but it was quite an experience but That I'm bringing that up because you can change your mind and therefore change the perspective you have of the world and then how you relate to the world. So if you suffer, if you suffer, you choose to suffer and project yourself into the future and worry and angst and frustration, or pull yourself into the past in guilt and blame and shame and non-forgiveness, then in the present moment, is the only place where you're going to find peace and true understanding on what is your path in life. Most people think about living life; they're one thought away from where all the action is, as says Ram Das. But and then there's some who vacillate. They vacillate between accepting what is and really attacking life, and resisting what is, and say, "I don't like that. I don't want. I want something else." So there's the pleasure pain cycle. And then, Matt, there's people like you right now who merge with life. They let life flow through them and just embrace life as it is. Mm-hmm. Just, that's the what is. Just welcoming what is. That's powerful.
0: Because it's hard sometimes
1: to welcome what is if what is <laughs> is throwing you curveballs. And um... It's totally hard to accept it mentally. Totally. No, you can't do that. It's, not, it's beyond the mind. You have to go beyond the mind and realize the truth that what is has nothing for you to control, manipulate, change. You can't change what is. You can move to change it, but what is right now can't be otherwise. It is already, but we have some conditioned behavior patterns that say, I don't want this. I don't like this. And it lowers our vibrational frequency. And then we try to attack what is already instead of taking it on and saying, okay, how can I use this to my benefit?
0: Right. There you go. That that's, that's the key, right? How can I use this yes. to my benefit?
1: Accept it first, but truly accept it. Truly, truly accept it because thy will is, is that I will has been done. Okay. Okay. Now why is this universe unfolding before me for me? But most people think it's unfolding to them, to them. Why is this happening them. to me?
0: That, that, it reminds me of, uh, <clears throat> the Nelson Mandela quote, which I love. You talk about an unbelievable person who endured so much. He said, I never lose. I either win or I learn.
1: Oh, isn't that good? Right, and, and that's, that's
0: a great quote. That's basically what we're talking about.
1: No, totally. If you understand that quote, if you truly understand that quote, there is no losing. And let's tie this in with the Buddha. 2,500 years ago, one of my favorite quotes is from the Buddha. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Mm. So Nelson Mandela is saying that you can choose to suffer and lose if you want to. I don't.
0: Perspective. You know, it's all about perspective and how you choose to look at setbacks. And and I use the analogy of a golfer, and I'm often in the woods, Pat. You, You hit it in the woods, you either feel like you're screwed or it's an opportunity for a great shot. You know, mm. Bubba Watson and the Masters hit it in the woods. I think it was a playoff hole and knocked it on the green and ended up winning the hole and, and winning uh, the Masters. Um, and can you, how, you know, when you, you, you draft players, I recruited players, and the the, 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 the the you've hired people, you know, and the person that, is the debbie downer you know the negative the glass is half full how do you coach that person how do you manage that person or do you not even try to hire that person the latter yeah
1: that's not part of my vibration i i just can't people who feel this sense of separation who really feel that this low vibrational frequency they complain, they criticize, they blame, that everything is on someone else, as you call it, this low vibe. Now, I've learned, and you learn through experience, that when I first became a leader, when the me became a we, that all those people who were my we, the team, had to be of the same sort of AAA, ambition, attitude, and assets. Now, they had to have the amb-
0: ambition I'm, I'm 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 taking great notes during this thing
1: by the way <laughs> ambition was, attitude right just exactly what you're talking about right. and assets the assets that because it's, it's one thing to have the right attitude and the ambition but if you don't have the assets the skill sets right. it's not going to help you right but if you have those triple a if a lot of people have the assets and the ambition but the attitude you're mm. talking right now about that attitude mm. and that i'm telling is a vibrational frequency that's something all of us as i talked earlier one essence multiple expressions each expression is a different frequency and amplitude mm. i look for those amplitudes and frequencies that are the high vibrational level mm. because that resonates at my xm frequency i don't want the am frequency right i don't want that you know what because then it can bring you down right. Then all of a sudden you're self-doubting yourself i don't want that i think and can you lift someone up to a degree right but they have to choose they have to choose and recognize within themselves that the voice in the head has to be quieted before they can change remember that quote if you want to change your life, you best begin by changing your mind. And if you don't recognize that voice in your head, that chattering box, and if your listeners are saying, what voice? That one. Mm-hmm. That one. That is consistently speaking in your head that you have no control over. You have to learn to allow it to talk and let it go and not listen to one freaking word it says.
0: Yep. Yeah. And and that that is, takes... You know what it takes? It takes, it takes practice. practice. It takes practice. practice. We're talking about practice. Oh, hey, awesome. No,
1: no, Matt, no, I was not there. That was not my realm at that time. I'd already left. And oh. Diane and I are watching it. I see it on the news. And I went, someone's got to pull him off. there. They can't <laughs> let him rant like that. And that's not Allen Iverson. He's very quiet. He doesn't. He's fun like that in the locker room, but you would never see him in public. And he was just he went off. Oh my
0: gosh, that was epic! That 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 that
1: that is one of the
0: all-time like Jim Moore with the Indiana Colts. I think Indianapolis coach he he says uh, playoffs. We're talking playoffs. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I love the AAA. I'm going to steal that from you, by the way. You know, all all, all great coaches steal from others, and that's uh, uh, the highest form of flattery. Um, I I it brings me to. I, two, two, couple things. One, we're all impacted by two things, right? The people we meet in the books, we read, we read, and and I encourage everybody to be a lifelong learner. I never heard that term till I went and studied after I got let go at North Carolina. I took a leadership class at, at, uh, Wharton, right, right. In okay. Your, stop, stop,
1: stop, 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 stop. So what made you take that class? Um,
0: I, a couple of things. I had a friend that suggested I, I, I go work on the leadership. So as I'm off, like I could show other, other uh, universities that I'm, I've, I took advantage of the time off and try to get better. And I think deep down as a coach and a player, when you have a bad game or a bad season, what do you do? You watch the film and you try to get better. You want to improve.
1: So you allowed your ego to dissolve just in that instant to say yes and accept this challenge to go learn more about leadership. Yeah. I wanted to get That's better. That's wonderful. Why
0: why I was being accused publicly. They they questioned my leadership. They said I wasn't a good leader. I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out is this can you learn to be a good leader or are you born, right? That's the old the question. Are you born that way or you can develop it? And I'm sitting in a class taught by Fran Johnston and Mike Useem's course at, at at Wharton. And I love Mike. I just love learning. I love I love Wharton. My brother went there. And um, Fran Johnston's teaching out of the book Primal Leadership, The Art of Emotional Intelligence by Dan Goldman. And I'm talking, she's talking about emotional intelligence in 2003. I'm like, it's kind of like when you were, you know, learned about mindfulness. I'm like, I never heard of emotional intelligence. And as she's talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I would have taken this class before I was a head coach, I might still be the head coach. And in that book, it said, leadership is a learned behavior. And Pat, that was, that's the most exciting thing I've ever read in my life. Mm -hmm. You can learn to be a better leader. But like you said earlier, you've got to want it. You've got to recognize and have that mindset of learning and growth. And I was so fired up. And that's why in my book, I say rebound from pain to passion. The pain of losing my job, being accused of being a bad leader to leadership becoming my passion, and then uh-huh. going on this journey and now being an executive coach and writing a book and having this podcast. Um, it's powerful. It's, it's,
1: uh, it's powerful. It's exciting and and that's truly transmit that's truly transmuting metal into gold you took this supposed illusory loss and created this entire different outlook outcome that's what most people don't do well you they did it when wallow. you knocked on the they door wallow in the loss yeah well, you did it when you knocked on the door
0: the second time and then you said, all right, basically screw you. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. A, I'll, show, I'll, show I'll show you. you. <laughs> and, but that's the, you know, is it the Philly competitiveness? Is it your family competitiveness? Where does that come from? A lot of people don't have that. And sometimes I tell people, like, you just, you can kind of fake it. Like, just fake it. Like, you know, the old saying, fake it till you make it. Like, what, what, what are you, you going to do? Like, you, what are your options? Are you going to quit or are you going to figure it out? And, and um, you know, de- don't let somebody else define you. Um, oh, uh, Robin Roberts has a great quote that I use often now, uh, make your mess your message. So mm. my mess of losing my job, the leadership, um, you know, turns into my message
1: beautiful
0: Um, yeah no 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 it's uh it it, it's 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 um interesting stuff what uh who are the biggest influencers in your life
1: and career i would say my dad even though uh, he was one of those tough italian fathers who you know tough love but he demonstrated discipline organization stick-to-itiveness although you know he was a he was a Tough guy, didn't make much, but worked hard for us. Four boys, I was the oldest of four boys. So I would say my father. Mm-hmm. And then there were people like Ed Snyder, who was the owner of the Flyers, who I was the conditioning coach for for 13, 14 years. So I, I watched him, I emulated him, and eventually I become his partner with the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, oh, you know, I, Walt Disney. I mean, I was truly infatuated with Walt Disney, fascinated with Walt Disney. I loved what he created. He demonstrated to me that dreams can come true. And so I read everything there was about the Magic Castle and Disney and, you know, just the rejections that he had and continuing to work toward his passion, Mm -hmm. not just to make money, but toward his passion. So, you know, uh, Lee Iacocca, when he Mm -hmm. uh, did the Mustang and then created the Chrysler brand to what it was at the time. Uh, Ray Kroc with mm-hmm. McDonald's, how he took something people were casting away and made it into something that's ubiquitous for hamburgers. I mean, just little snippets. I love biographies. And I would take if I could get three nuggets out of every biography and put them in my own notebook. Right. My own folder. Then, wow. I mean, then I cut the learning curve. Right. Right. You, you, why, you're, why, why? you're
0: cheating. You're cheating on the test. You got the answers. That's yeah, Great. Yeah. But you not said that, something. Not that, earlier that. Th- not that we ever did that. Not that we ever did that. But you just talk- you said
1: something. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go. No, you're, you're the you You said something earlier in our interview about you taking notes. Mm-hmm. I'm a big journalist. Mm-hmm. I journal everything. I journal, journal, journal. There's an old Chinese proverb: "The weakest link is better than the strongest mind." I can't remember things, so if I read something in a book. And I highlight in the book, I take it the next day and I journal it mm-hmm. in my journals. And my journals are just filled with, yes, insights and intuitions, but also just paraphrasing all some of the people that you've read and the great quotes. And like, I love that Robin Roberts quote, yeah. make your mess, your message. I mean, nah, that's going in my journal. There it is. So, I mean, that's great.
0: Um, you, the thing that really catches me, we talk, I just asked you who are the biggest influencers. And you mentioned two people, you, your dad. Ed Snyder, that you, you know, obviously spent time with. You've spent time with those people. Uh, I'm assuming you never spent any time with Walt Disney, Lee Coco, no, or, no, or Ray no. Kroc. And so they were your influences through reading their books. And that's, again, yes. the power of reading and dreaming. Um, Walt Disney, and I, I spoke at a Queens University graduation last Saturday, and I talked about failure. It seems to be a prerequisite for success Walt Disney, at 22, was fired from the Kansas City Star because he was accused of not having any imagination. (laughs) How about that? Oh, man, that's amazing. Um, Yeah, no, it's, it's. uh, oh, I know what I was, you you, you were talking early about vibrations and energy. Uh, Two things come to mind when you said that. Uh, Going back to books, straight from the gut, Jack Welch. Um, oh yeah, he talks about what he looks for an employee: of the four E's, energy, Sigma Six, e- e- energy. Can you energize others? Can you execute with an edge? And it's kind of like you're a AAA. Mm-hmm. And 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 his his sound better. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> AAA. Um, and then I'm um, you know Donnie Walsh, okay, legendary oh, yeah? NBA front office executive. Donnie, North Carolina grad. I worked for the Pacers for four or five years. And whenever I could sit next to Donnie and and gain his wisdom, I would. So we're sitting before a game. Players are warming up. We're on the bench. And Donnie in his New York accent. um, You know, Maddie. after all these years, you know, like let's say 45 years in the NBA, he says the most important ingredient in a player, and I'm waiting, waiting waiting for his magic he says the most important ingredient in a player is energy Mm. how about that kind of just what you touched on do you have good energy do you have a good attitude we can train you we can train there's such a void right now in talent in corporate america i i work with these executives everybody's looking for talent and all they have to do is show up on time with a good attitude, and the company will train them. Doesn't matter what you major in. I don't know what you, how
1: you feel, but, you know, for Oh years- No, totally. Listen, are you kidding me? Uh, totally, totally. Because how you do anything is how you do everything. So that how comes with the, if they have the energy, everything else they do is second place. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we have about 10 minutes here, Pat, and I, I want to touch on what your passion is now with the American Cancer Society and the project called Healed. Um, you know, take me back. I, I read where you were diagnosed with T-cell lymphoma and you have a, a huge scar to prove it. Tell me about that experience and what led you to uh, the American Cancer Society and this project.
1: Well, thank you, Matt. And it was just the end of last year, the fourth quarter. I have this. I've had lots of squamous cells and basal cell carcinomas cut out of I me. Mean, I say I'm half Italian, half Irish. Right. Gaelic and garlic, garlic. And the Gaelic is the garlic gets all these uh, these little yeah. you know little bumps oh, yeah. that have to get cut out by the dermatologist. Nothing, right? But I have this bump on my sternum, right in the middle of my chest, and it's itchy, and I thought I got stung by something. And then the next night, it's itchier, and I, I just wouldn't go away. I put some steroidal cream on it, and I'm thinking, did I get bit by something? And Diane goes, look at your chest, and I have this half-dollar-sized rash to the right, on my right peck. And I'm thinking, do I have poison ivy? But you know, I'm in the woods a lot here with my trails, and but I, I, I never have my shirt off in the woods, and it was cold. So I, I thought, what? I put some poison ivy lotion on it, some prescription, Nothing. I call the dermatologist, send a picture. She prescribes me 2.5% steroidal cream, put on twice a day for two weeks. I was embarrassed. I put it on for two and a half weeks because it wasn't working. Mm. She says, come on in. And I'm up here at Meditation Hill. And so I have to go into the main line and drive down there for a biopsy. And not one week, which is normal, not two weeks. It's three weeks later, right around my birthday, November 2nd, I get a phone call you have T cell lymphoma, cutaneous T cell lymphoma. I said, I have cancer. She said, yes. Oh my God. I said, okay, what do we do about it? And go. so I went, got to the oncologist on Monday and okay, this is what is, what is happening to my body. I couldn't touch me. It's my body. I get a, CAT scan, a PET scan, no metastasis. I have surgery the week later on Friday. Once that heals, the month of December, I radiation. But along that time, that You're at the Sangha, and uh, my intention is to help people awaken to their true self and that they don't have to suffer. And not suffer in the sense of grief and sorrow, which is rooted in love with the death of a loved one, but the sorrow, the suffering that's rooted in fear with anger and angst and worry and stress and frustration and dissatisfaction, all that kind of suffering. Mm -hmm. And that's a choice. The Buddha said that is a choice. We talked about the mind game already so i figured and i threw that out there i said there's got to be something more i can do to help more people not suffer well the cancer i thought ah and i look up i felt like narrow pointing at billy crystal <laughs> you're good <laughs> you're good <laughs> okay and so in january end of january i called the american cancer society and i'd never worked with them before american heart association multiple sclerosis uh jdf all those during all my years, especially with the realm in the Flyers and Sixers, but never the Cancer Society. And so we get together over over call, and then she gets more people involved. They said, "Listen, I want to come out of self isolation for the past six years, and I want to come back out and be an ambassador for something that you're doing." They have Coaches Against Cancer, which yep. is a big thing. You know, the Big Five here do a gigantic. Yep, Fran is awesome that. with that. Yeah, yep. totally. Jay Wright, all those guys. So I, 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 they, they come back and they say, well, Pat, there's this healed program, Health and Energy Through Active Living Every Day, a program that's down at headquarters in Atlanta that we've done research with 85 cancer patients and had great results with physical activity during the diagnosis and post-diagnosis. But we want to move on to 400 patients with various cancer diagnoses, And but they don't have the money, they don't have the engagement, they don't have the marketing prowess. I said, okay, how much it'll cost? So this is over a couple calls. She says, two point five million to get it started. I said, okay, I'll put up ten percent and I'll raise the rest. And that's how it started. Wow, they loved you, man. You you went (laughs) to them. They didn't have to recruit
0: you. You put up ten percent, and talk about a perfect fit. You know, with health, yeah.
1: energy, uh, exercise—that's so, right in your wheelhouse. Every day, yeah, every day. So it's the present moment, and so that's really where it got started. And so this, but now, I, so here you go, Matt. Now the Pat Croce is coming back out. Yeah, go ahead, I love it. it. I love Pat
0: how, Croce. That's how, why I how how you on long, the podcast.
1: How long will uh, how long will this research take? You said fourteen months. So I, I talked to the researchers, that principal scientists. I said, no, not good not enough. Not no, good no, enough. no. I'm not waiting 14 months to have an impact. I said, nope, we're going to do something with the community ASAP. So over the course of these past two months, February and March and, A- Mar- and March and April, as of May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, we launched the American Cancer Society's Healed Community Gathering. Wow. And we had 136 people in through Zoom. Mike Schmidt, Michael Jack Schmidt, famous Philadelphia Phillies. Third, third, third baseman, love him. Oh, discussing his experience with melanoma, where it metastasized to his brain. He was just wonderful. I had the premier scientist on from the ACS. It was just an unbelievable community session. Some Something like our sangha, Matt, but you know more into the physicality, a little spirituality, because... I was bringing everyone back into the present moment mm-hmm. because ACS healed all of your listeners. if they want to go to yeah. and hear anything more about it, ACShealed.com, and you'll get for a minimum donation, $25 or if you can't afford that, put in whatever you can and you'll get this bracelet that we all wear. Mm-hmm. It's a black lava bee bracelet with one green bee, that unity we're on this together. You know, that essence of our beingness, all of us are in this together So that is really it's now it's a movement. And now we're going to just drop the pebble in the pond and the ripples will continue to flow into waves and hopefully a tsunami across this great country of ours so that everyone is wearing this bracelet and everyone is aware that you have the ability to live a healthier life in the present moment, not to think about it like we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. but to do it now.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Tsunami Pat Croce. I'll t- I tell <laughs> you what. You, 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 I, I just, you, you, the energy, you know, your vision, your energy, your passion, people lean into that. that. People lean into that, and that's why you're a hell of a leader. And uh, I'm just so thankful to get to know you and have you on this call and, and get to know Diane and, and everybody else on Sangha. Um, I really appreciate you sharing, Pat. We could go on and on. Um, leadership is a learned behavior. You're a leader, whether you're a parent, a coach, a business owner, or a friend. We all lead in some way, shape, or form. Thanks for listening. I welcome any and all feedback. You can reach me on Twitter. My handle is at Daugherty Matt.